Bibles this morning, John chapter number 19, John chapter 19, we'll begin reading verse number 1, the first 16 verses here. As we conclude chapter number 18, uh, Pilate is in a spot, he's trying his best to free Jesus, I shouldn't say his best, he's trying in a politically expedient way to set Jesus free because over and over again he says, I find no fault in him. And so he has this harebrained idea. He says, I know what I can do. It's the Passover. We always release a prisoner. We could release Barabbas or we could release Jesus. And he says, would y'all like for me to release Barabbas or Jesus? And the angry mob under the leadership of Caiaphas, the high priest, cries out, give us Barabbas. And chapter 18 ends with a simple statement, Barabbas was a robber. We pick up in verse number 1 of chapter 19 and the scourging and trial of Jesus and the crucifixion of Jesus continues. Verse number 1, the Bible says, John chapter 19, verse number 1, Then Pilate therefore took Jesus and scourged him. And the soldiers plighted a crown of thorns and put it on his head. And they put on him a purple robe and said, Hail, King of the Jews. And they smote him with their hands. Pilate therefore went forth again and saith unto them, Behold, I bring him forth to you, that ye may know that I find no fault in him. Then Jesus came forth wearing the crown of thorns and the purple robe. And Pilate saith unto them, Behold the man. When the chief priest, therefore an officer, saw him, they cried out, saying, Crucify him, crucify him. Pilate saith unto them, Take ye him and crucify him. For I find no fault in him. The Jews answered him, We have a law, and by our law he ought to die, because he made himself the Son of God. When Pilate therefore heard that saying, he was the more afraid, and went again into the judgment hall, and saith unto Jesus, Whence art thou? He says, Where are you from? Whence art thou? But Jesus gave him no answer. Then saith Pilate unto him, Speakest thou not unto me? Knowest thou not that I have power to crucify thee and have power to release thee? Jesus answered, Thou couldst have no power at all against me, except it were given thee from above. Therefore he that delivered me unto thee hath the greater sin. And from thenceforth Pilate sought to release him. But the Jews cried out, saying, If thou let this man go... Thou art not Caesar's friend. Whosoever maketh himself a king speaketh against Caesar. When Pilate therefore heard that saying, he brought Jesus forth and sat down in the judgment seat in a place that is called the pavement, but in the Hebrew, Gabbatha. And it was the preparation of the Passover. And about the sixth hour, and he saith unto the Jews, Behold your king. But they cried out, Away with him, away with him, crucify him. Pilate saith unto them, Shall I crucify your king? The chief priest answered, We have no king but Caesar. Then delivered he him therefore unto them to be crucified. And they took Jesus and led him away. We come to this passage of scripture and we see three main characters and that will be the Thrust and the points of our message today, Pilate, 
the chief priests led by Caiaphas, and then Jesus himself. There's a moment in this passage of Scripture where we get a glimpse into the cruelty and the cold nature of the soldiers, but they're under the influence of Pilate. And we get a glimpse into the cruelty and cold nature of the Jewish mob, but they're under the influence of Caiaphas. And we come in the middle of this passage of Scripture and something that really is fascinating to me. Pilate is really making efforts to, in a politically expedient way, let Jesus go. He keeps saying, I find no fault in him. I find no fault in him. His wife's had dreams and said, don't you have anything to do with Jesus. You stay out of this. Pilate's trying to figure out a way to make everybody happy and let Jesus go. And the mob insists again after Jesus has been scourged and presented to the mob with a crown of thorns, having been scourged and smacked and beaten and mocked. Jesus presents this pitiful figure to the crowd and the cold-hearted Jewish mob cries out the louder, crucify him, crucify him. Pilate brings him into private place and says in verse 8 when Pilate therefore heard that saying he heard the Jews crying out he must die when Pilate therefore heard that saying he was the more afraid verse 9 and went again into the judgment hall and saith unto Jesus whence art thou where are you from you see in the uh pagan mind, the Roman mind, their uh, mythology taught that some of their gods came from like foreign planets. This is uh, something that he was interested to think about. But Pilate's beginning to think maybe he is a god like we've been studying about in our mythology. He's come from some other planet. He says, where are you from? Whence art thou? But Jesus gave him no answer. Verse 10, then saith Pilate unto him, Speakest thou not unto me? Knowest thou not that I have power to crucify thee and have power to release thee? Pilate looks at Jesus when Jesus does not respond and says, Hey, are you crazy? Don't you know that I've got power? Don't you know I've got power to crucify you and I've got power to release you? Clearly, Pilate didn't have the power he says he has because he didn't have the guts to release him before the Jewish mob. You don't know I have power? And I want you to pay close attention to what Jesus says in verse number 11. Jesus answered, Thou couldest have no power at all against me, except it were given thee from above. Therefore he that delivered me unto thee hath the greater power sin. Jesus looks at Pilate and says, you couldn't have any power at all against me unless God gave it. Except, he says, it were given thee from above. Today's message is titled this, Power from Above. Power from Above. And when we come to this story, we come to this passage of scripture, we see Specifically, two men and leading two groups of people, but two men with power that is given them of God, an opportunity. Pilate's one of them. He was a man of power. 
by the world's standards. He was a leader among the Romans. Power. And Jesus himself says, look, the power you have was given to you from God. Then we look at Caiaphas, the high priest. And no doubt, a man of great influence. And unfortunately, influence being used at that moment to incite a mob and that will ultimately lead the crucifixion of Jesus Christ. But he had power given from God. And when we look at Pilate, we look at Caiaphas, we see two people who squander away their opportunity to influence with the power that God has given them. Now, there's so many things we could talk about in this passage of Scripture. And next week, as we continue through the crucifixion, we're going to get down to the nitty-gritty about the cross and the crucifixion and the scourging and what our Savior was willing to bear for us. But today, I want you to think with me on this thought, power from above. Power from above. Jesus acknowledges that Pilate has power, but it was power given to him from God. And Jesus would acknowledge that Caiaphas has power, but it's power that's given to him from God. And I want to tell you this morning, we all have a certain amount of power that is given to us from God. It is the power of influence. It is the power to invest in the lives of other people. It is the power that God has entrusted us to make a difference in the lives of other people. You'll see that this comes straight from the Scripture as we uncover some wonderful truths in this text. But there's power given all of us from above. How long has it been since you thought about the influence and opportunity that God has afforded you? You see, God has trusted us all the certain power to influence. I'm a husband. I have an opportunity to influence my wife. It can be good or bad. But I have the power to influence. I'm a father. Two children. Thank God for them. And I have an opportunity. And really a short window of time to influence in my home. That's very important. I'm a son, a brother. I'm a friend and a pastor. And I've got a certain amount of power that God has entrusted with me that I should use for his glory. And you too. If you have children, you have an opportunity. If you have a spouse, you have an opportunity. If you have family, you have an opportunity. If you have a job, you have an opportunity. Some people look at a job setting and they think, oh, wow, that's great. The boss has the opportunity to influence. That's not the only person who has the opportunity to influence. At whatever state you find yourself in, God has entrusted you with a certain amount of power to make a difference in the lives of other people. And you can use it for his glory or you can squander it away Whatever influence and opportunity God has given you, 
I pray that you would take very serious the power that you have from above. I think back through my days growing up. And I think about all the different people who influenced me. Some of them very good. Some of them very bad. But all of the adults that touched my life in some form or fashion, they influenced me. There were many times I was influenced to do the right thing, and I praise the Lord for that. There were also many times I was influenced to do the wrong thing, and I don't like it. And God has held me accountable for my own sin, and he'll also hold accountable those men and women, adults that influenced a child to do the wrong thing. And when we come to this passage of Scripture, God is ruling and reigning and orchestrating and overruling in so many ways around the crucifixion of Christ. But the picture is so plain and the details are so evident that we must identify and we must address the fact that the Lord is interested in the influence and the power that he's given to men and women, boys and girls, over the lives of other people. We have a chance, an opportunity, a life to live. And God has given us power from above. What are you going to do with your opportunity to influence? Are you going to influence for the glory of God? Or are you going to squander away the power that God has given from above? In this passage of Scripture, we have two negative examples and one positive. The first negative example, number one, is Pilate. The politician. Pilate, the politician. Let's just begin back in chapter number 18 and verse number 39. I've mentioned this to you already, but we could pick it up right here and we'll talk a little bit about it. The conclusion of verse number 38 and verse number 8 in chapter 18, 38, 18, the last phrase is Pilate speaking up, I find in him no fault at all. I credit Pilate for being willing to say that he disagreed with the Jews. But we find some things that Pilate does. Pilate says in our text that he had power. He says, Jesus, do you not know that I have power to release you or to crucify you? But Pilate shows that he's afraid to use the power that he's been given and entrusted with because he's afraid of the crowd. In verse 39, the Bible says, Pilate speaking, you have a custom that I should release unto you one of the Passover. Will you therefore that I release unto you the king of the Jews? Then cried they all again, saying, Not this man, but Barabbas. Now, Barabbas was a robber. Now, we see Pilate here as he begins this spiral into ultimately being the person who puts his seal on the crucifixion of Christ. And it begins with fear. It begins with trying to make a deal with the devil. Pilate, the politician. Pilate had the opportunity to influence the course of history here. I'll have you know something. Let me make a clear statement. Jesus was born to die on the cross. And he would fulfill that plan and purpose and pay the price for our sins irregardless of what Pilate or Caiaphas did. But I want you to know also that Pilate is held accountable for his sins. You can't just chalk everything up to God's sovereignty and God's made a plan and there's nothing we can do to change it. We are personally accountable for our own deeds and sins and God has held Pilate accountable for squandering 
his opportunity. Pilate attempts to, in a political way, offer up Barabbas. And he fails in the first account. Look at the Bible says in verse number 1. Chapter 19, verse 1. Then Pilate therefore took Jesus and scourged him. As I've studied this over the last several weeks, it just drives me bananas. I think that's a good way to say it. It just drives me bananas that in verse number 38, Pilate says, I find in him no fault. Yet in verse number 1, chapter 19, Pilate therefore took Jesus and scourged him. Do you see any contradiction in what he says and what he does? Folks, I want you to know something. Your influence will be determined by your character. Pilate had a chance to influence. But I'm just going to tell you right now, if your children watch you say one thing and do another, you have lost your authority. Your influence on the lives of people around you has everything to do with your character. And Pilate, do you think anybody trusted anything Pilate had to say? Absolutely not. There may have been some peons around him that were scared of his authority and his power, but no one cared about his word because he said one thing and did another. There's no room for that in the Christian life. If your children can't take you at your word, then your word and your life and your influence has no effect. If your wife or your husband can't take you at your word, then the opportunity that God has given you, the power that is coming from above for you to influence for the glory of God, it's gone. If you're a Sunday school teacher, a teacher, a coach, a any person that's influencing working with children, a youth pastor, you fill in the blanks. You can't fool a young heart. And when your words and your actions do not match up, guess what? The power that God has sent from above for you to op- giving you the opportunity to influence the lives of other people, it's squandered away because you have no character drives me crazy to think that Pilate would say, I find in him no fault. All right, boys, go scourge him. I find in him no fault, but y'all beat him nearly to death. I find in him no fault, but let's just give him a good thrashing anyway. Now we say, I would never do that. But how often do you say one thing and do another? How often do you twist and manipulate the truth in order to get what you want? You see, Pilate was a political figure who wanted to appease people and wanted to try to get peace without character, and he was scared of his own shadow. Pilate, the politician, squandered away his power from above. Look what the Bible says in verse number 2. And the soldiers plighted a crown of thorns and put it on his head. And they put on him a purple robe and said, Hail, King of the Jews. And they smote him with their hands. Well, that breaks my heart. That breaks my heart. What did the soldiers do? Pilate had said, Hey, scourge him. Who's in charge of these soldiers? Pilate. What did the soldiers do? They did what they were led and influenced to do. 
Now, I hate what these soldiers did to Jesus, but I'm personally, and I believe God holds Pilate ultimately accountable for what these soldiers did because the people that God had given Pilate to influence were now guilty of mocking the creator of the world and the savior of all men. What'd they do? The soldiers plighted a crown of thorns. They got real creative. They thought, oh, <laughs> this will be funny. That we're gonna, that everybody says he's the king of the Jews. Let's make him a crown. So they braid up a crown made of thorns and they crush it into his skull. Put it on his head. And they put on him a purple robe. We hear people talk about this and the gruesomeness of the cross is not something that leads us to repentance. But it's something we need to know. We need to see and understand that Jesus Christ bore our sin at great cost. They put on him a purple robe. Why did they do that? They said, oh, he's got a crown. Let's give him a robe. He'd just been scourged. He'd just been beat nearly to death. His back was laid wide open. They put a robe on him. And they cry out, hail. King of the Jews, they smote him with their hands. The Bible says in verse 4, Pilate therefore went forth again and saith unto them, Behold, I bring you forth, bring him forth to you, that ye may know that I find no fault in him. Do you see any contradiction with that? Pilate had him scourged. Pilate let him be mocked. Pilate, after he'd been mocked and scourged, allowed He'll be brought before the same group of people and says with his mouth, finding him no fault. Oh, I can't stand it. I don't want to be guilty of that thing. You see, Pilate's power was robbed of him because of his character or lack thereof. The soldiers, the mob, I find him no fault. With the Bible says in verse 5, Then came Jesus forth wearing the crown of thorns and the purple robe. And Pilate said to them, Behold the man. Now most people that you study and you read, folks who are smarter than me, they believe that Pilate's idea, he, he, had, he had had one weak idea. He said, I tell you what, surely they'll choose Jesus instead of Barabbas. And they chose Barabbas. And so Pilate has another week at it. He says, oh, maybe, just maybe, they'll show pity on him. They said, here's what we can do. He says, let's scourge him, let's beat him, let's put a, a, a crown of thorns on him, let's put a robe of purple on him, let's make a mockery out of this man. And surely these Jewish people who are so charged by their own people, they're so, uh, they're so motivated by their own race, they're so motivated by their own crew, their own clan surely when they see a Gentile beating their Jewish comrade, surely then they'll have compassion on him and they'll see him in his meekness and see him beaten and see him mocked and surely when they see him, and so Pilate carries him out, I can imagine on some type of bounty, he carries him out before this crowd of people and he says, behold the man the Bible has an exclamation point there. Once again, Pilate's cowardice just to say, he's not guilty, get out of my way. And do what was right. Pilate's influence was squandered again. 
He just tries to make everybody happy. He just tries to appease all the naysayers. He tries to come up with some way, irregardless to what's right or wrong, he just tries to come up with some way, keep everybody quiet, let this pass by. The pilot, the politician, missed his opportunity. The Bible says in verse 6, when the chief priest, therefore, and officers saw him, they cried out, saying, Crucify him, crucify him. Pilate saith unto them, Take ye him and crucify him, for I find no fault in him. Isn't this awful? You, you hear Pilate? Fine, crucify him. I find no fault in him. The very man in just a moment will tell Jesus, I've got power to release you or crucify him. He says, I find no fault in him, and he tells the Jews to crucify him. It's like a broken record, but the Bible wants us to see it. He says over and over again, I find no fault in him. But every step he takes is a step without character that produces results. And he squanders away his opportunity to influence. Pilate, the politician, missed his chance. Look at verse number 8. When Pilate therefore heard that saying... The Jews cried out and said, we have a law. By our law, he ought to die. In verse 8, when Pilate heard that, he was the more afraid. Look, here's the bottom line. Pilate was a coward. Pilate was a coward. I don't read Confucius very much, but I did find this quote. Confucius said, coward is defined like this. When a man knows what is right, and does not do it. Coward. Don't tell me you have power with men. And you're unwilling to obey God. Don't tell me that you are some macho. Some super intellect. And God has given you an opportunity to influence others. And you squander it away because you're afraid that you might stir the pot. Or afraid what the mob might do, afraid. He was full of fear. He was the more afraid. Verse number 10, the Bible says, Then saith Pilate unto him, Speakest thou not unto me? Knowest thou not that I have the power to crucify thee and power to release thee? Look what Pilate does next. Pilate tries to puff his chest out and show Jesus how big and bad he is. Do you think you can make a deal with God because you've got some influence on earth. Make a deal with God because you've got some money in the bank. Make a deal with God. You can't. Because Jesus knows that you have no power that was not already given to you by him. Verse 12. Big, powerful, mighty Pilate. The Bible says in verse 12, From thenceforth Pilate sought to release him. But the Jews cried out, saying, If thou let this man go, thou art not Caesar's friend. Whosoever maketh himself a king speaketh against Caesar. Pilate's looking for a chance to release him. Is that somebody that's got a lot of power? He just told Jesus how powerful he was. Now he's facing the crowd. He's looking for a reason to let Jesus go because he's so afraid of the crowd. The crowd threatens him. The Jews threaten him and says, You're no friend of Caesar. You're no friend of Caesar. And Pilate. Fades off into the distance and under pressure folds. The Bible says 
Verse 13, when Pilate therefore heard that saying, he brought Jesus forth, sat him in the judgment seat in the place that is called, ultimately we call it Gabbatha. Verse 16, the Bible says, Then delivered he him therefore unto them to be crucified. And they took Jesus and led him away. What happened? Pilate the politician, he literally and truly did have power from God. But because of a lack of character and fear and a political expedience to appease a crowd, wicked sinners, he squandered away his chance. What can we learn from Pilate? I'll tell you what we can learn from Pilate. We can learn from Pilate that we have give, been given an opportunity and we should not in fear refuse to do what is right. We've been given power from God and we should not allow our character to be brought into question because there are people all around us that God has given us an opportunity to help. Don't you forget that God has given you power from above. And if you're like Pilate and you're just trying to keep the peace and keep everything quiet and do things in a politically expedient fashion, you remember what the Bible says, the fear of man worketh a snare. You remember that it's better to obey God than to sacrifice. You remember that you only got one life to live and God has given you power to influence. Don't fall into the trap of Pilate, the politician. Number two, there's somebody else in the story that's been given power from above. Caiaphas. He's not mentioned by name in this passage of Scripture, but Caiaphas, the high priest, the leader of the Jews' religion, is the man that is at the top of the totem pole in this moment of history. Caiaphas, the priest representing the Jews and the Jews' religion, they were religious. Now, let me tell you something. They never missed their religious obligations. As a matter of fact, it's wild to me, and we'll see it again in just a minute as we look at this text. It is just amazing to me that these folks can be working so hard to prepare for the Passover. They won't go into certain buildings. They won't eat certain things. They won't do a whole list of things that are do's and don'ts in according to their interpretation of the law in order to make themselves okay to observe the Passover feast and, quotation marks, honor the Lord by remembering the Passover that took place in Egypt. I mean, they're doing every little thing. They won't even go into Pilate's house to have trial against Jesus because they don't want to defile themselves religiously. Let me tell you something. That stuff is foolish to God and wicked to God. Caiaphas and the Jews, oh man, they're religious. They're also pragmatic. That's a word we need to know. I'm not so smart that I use big words, but pragmatic is an interesting word, one we need to think about. A pragmatic, a pragmatist says the end justifies the means. And so they say, look, if we get the results we want, then whatever it takes to get the results we want, then that's okay. Let me tell you something. Christianity and faith in Jesus and pragmatism do not work together. You see, 
We cannot determine what end we want and therefore do anything we can to get what we want. You see, the Christian life is complete opposite of that. What do we do? We obey the Word of God, the person of God. We live for Jesus and we trust God as we live for Jesus principally in a principled way, I should say. So we live in a principled way. We trust God to give us the appropriate end. You see, if you go ahead and choose your end and do anything you want to get it, guess what you get? When you get to the end, you may have what you wanted, but you've got bitterness along with it. And you've picked something that is far inferior to what God has designed for you. But if you'll do it God's way, say, Lord, I'm going to obey you. I don't understand why I need to make this tough decision right now. I don't understand why I have to go through this issue at this moment. But I'm going to trust you. I'm going to obey you. I'm going to trust you. I'm going to obey you. I'm going to trust you and obey you to give me the appropriate end. Caiaphas and the religionists in the Jewish community, they had come up and figured out their end. So much so, when the fulfillment of their Old Testament law came into their presence, and for three or four years, for three years, uh, ministers and works, and for many years before that, had been teaching and made a statement, and God had began to put his hand on him. When Jesus came, the very fulfillment of their religion, they would not identify, recognize, or submit to. As a matter of fact, all they can think about right now is crucify him, crucify him, crucify him. Why? Because they had chosen their end instead of letting God choose their end. Now, the Lord needs to help us with this. Caiaphas, the priest, he had power from God. He squandered it away in verse 40 of chapter number 19. They, under his leadership, chose Barabbas. Verse number 5, look what the Bible says. In verse number 5, Then came Jesus forth wearing the crown of thorns and the purple robe. And Pilate said then, Behold the man. What did they do? Pilate says, I want you to see this, this figure. I want you to see this Jewish man who's been beaten, who's been mocked. I want you to see him. They said, Behold the man. He's hoping that maybe their hearts will break, but they didn't. They cried out in the next verse, Crucify him, crucify him. See it in verse number 6? When the chief priest, therefore, and officers saw him, they had a chance. They had an opportunity. They had an opportunity to lead the crowd into, Oh, no, we have made a mistake. But they didn't. The power that God had given them was squandered away. And they cry out, crucify him. Crucify him. Pilate saith unto them, take ye him and crucify him. For I find no fault in him. Look at verse number 7. The Jews answered him, we have a law. And by our law he ought to die. Why? Why is Jesus with Pilate the Roman? The reason Jesus was Pilate the Roman is because the Jews couldn't find legal right to crucify Jesus. That's what they wanted. They could not find legal right to crucify Jesus. They actually say in chapter number 18 and verse number 31, the Jews therefore said unto him, it is not law for us to put any man to death. <laughs> and yet here in verse number 7, the Jews answered him, we have a law and by our law he ought to die. These religionists are inconsistent. He said he ought to die. 
Look at the Bible says, verse number 11. This is my favorite part of Caiaphas. The story of Caiaphas in verse number 11 and the Jews. The Bible says, Jesus answered. Let's back up to verse number 10. Then saith Pilate unto him, Speakest thou not unto me? You remember this moment? Knowest thou not that I have power to crucify thee and have power to release thee? Verse 11, Jesus answered, Thou couldst have no power at all against me except it were given thee from above. Jesus still speaking. Look at the last phrase. Therefore, he that delivered me unto thee hath the greater sin. Who do you think God holds to greater account in this story? Pilate or Caiaphas? Or do you think he holds them equally a lot of times we don't want to say all sin is the same, and I understand that. Sin is sin. It's a transgression against God. But I want you to see what Jesus says here. Jesus says, He that delivered me unto thee hath the greater sin. Who delivered Jesus to Pilate? Caiaphas. What did Jesus say? Jesus says to Pilate, Pilate, you're guilty. But he that delivered unto me is guilty of the greater sin. What does Jesus do? Jesus holds Caiaphas to a greater account. You know why? I'll tell you why. Because Caiaphas was sinning against greater light. Caiaphas knew the word of God. Caiaphas had studied the book. Caiaphas had, had disregarded the fact that Jesus had been born where the Messiah was supposed to be born. He had disregarded the fact that Jesus had fulfilled already so many Portions of the Old Testament law, Caiaphas had, with a cold heart, had disobeyed God, and God says, I hold him to greater account. Now, I'll just tell you if you're a Christian, God has given you a special power to influence others. And as a child of God, if you squander away, your opportunity to influence other people, God will hold you extra accountable. We've got to be careful. I'd be scared to death to be a Christian father and not influence my kids in a Christian way. I'd be scared to death to be a Christian mother and not influence my children in a Christian way. I'd be scared to death to be a Christian coach or teacher or a Christian boss or a Christian employee and not influence the people that God has put around me in a Christian way. And God said, Caiaphas has sinned a greater sin than you have, Pilate. Because Caiaphas has squandered away the power that I've given him. Oh, Caiaphas, man. He blew it. Verse number 12. I want you to see the influence of Caiaphas and the Jews. The Bible says in verse 12, and from thenceforth Pilate sought to release him. Now Pilate says earlier, he says, I've got power, I've got power, I've got power. But I want you to see how little power Caiaphas actually, I mean, Pilate actually has. Pilate sought to release Jesus, but the Jews, Caiaphas and his Jews, cried out, saying, If thou let this man go, thou art not Caesar's friend. Whosoever maketh himself a king speaketh against Caesar. Guess what Caiaphas did? Oh, Caiaphas and his Jews, they influenced Pilate. 
to do the wrong thing. I'm just telling you, the power that we've been given with God is something we need to take into great account. Verse 14, look what happens. All the while, they're crucifying Jesus, acting like heathen, pragmatic, trusting their religion instead of Jesus, going to put an innocent man to death. All the while this is going on, they're still preparing for the Passover. And as and it was the preparation of the Passover. Let me tell you something. You come to church on Sunday morning and live like the devil all week, you're doing a great disservice to the people who know you come to church on Sunday morning. I think you should be here. But I think you should be here and you get your heart right. Some people have this idea that I come to church in order to counteract my badness. But what happens is we come to church and act bad. And we're reproached to Christ. Keep coming to church, but by all means, get right with God. By the way, you'll find yourself happier. Get right with God. By the way, you'll find yourself sleeping better at night. Get right with God. And by the way, you'll find out that God's way is better. Oh, Caiaphas. He could testify this very moment because he's an eternal soul and he is somewhere. And he could testify to you this moment. Would to God. I'd have been a man of principle. Caiaphas. He led this whole crowd of people. He influenced Pilate to make the wrong decision. He influenced this whole crowd of people to do the wrong thing. And all the while, he's preparing the Passover. Verse 15. They cried out, away with him. Away with him, crucify him. Pilate saith unto them, Shall I crucify your king? And I want you to see what they say. These are the same guys who are diehard Jews. They would claim to believe the Old Testament. They would claim to know, and they would know, that Ten Commandment that says, Thou shalt have no other gods before me. And I want you to hear what they say. The chief priests, Answered, we have no king but Caesar. <laughs> what did they do? They said, I pledge allegiance to Caesar of Rome. No king but Caesar. Verse 16, then delivered he him therefore unto them to be crucified. And they took Jesus and led him away. Power from above. Pilate, the politician, blew his chance. Caiaphas, the priest, blew his chance. The third and the most important character in this whole story is Jesus Christ. Let me tell you something about Jesus. He prayed in the garden, Father, if it be your will, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, I'll do your will. The Bible says that he set his face like a flint. I mean, he just went, I'm going to do what I have to do. And Jesus, in obedience to God the Father, Jesus Christ, God the Son, took the scourging, took the cross, paid the sin debt, obeyed God. Do you know what the product was? 
The byproduct was Jesus obeyed God, and because of Jesus' obedience to God, he has had the opportunity to influence the entire world and give every person who had ever put their trust in him the opportunity to have peace with God and eternity in heaven. Jesus gives us the greatest example of the byproduct of obedience. Let me tell you something. Don't be a political pilot. Don't be a religious Caiaphas determined with your life to be a Christ-like Christian. Because, listen, folks, you and I, we all have power from above. Use it for God and His glory.